You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be at this uh, glorious, well, here in Los Angeles, beautiful Sunday morning. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's live call-in show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to answer questions. We're here to talk about anything you want to talk about. Of course, I have my canned prepared topic of the day, which we're going to talk about today as well. I want to thank our sponsors for allowing us to be here for you. Those are KVP, Kong Veterinary Products, that's raising awareness for animal welfare through the arts with their really, really cool painted cones, cones that are incorporated into these famous artists' work. It's pretty amazing. Also, um, Merck's Brevecto, Brevecto, a really phenomenal flea and tick product. I happen to like it a lot. It is one chewable, and I mean tasty chewable, pill that's good for three months of flea and most ticks and one of the ticks for two months. Regardless, it is really good, very effective. Of course, ProSense Pet Products and Save This Life Microchip, a microchip that turns your phone into a GPS for your pet. It's actually rather amazing. We are going to have, I keep threatening that we're going to have Chance White with us, who's the creator of the concept of being able to take a microchip and kind of use it as a GPS. Of course, as you know, we can't implant the GPS device into a dog, certainly not yet. You know, how do you charge it? There's some, I mean, there's some pretty great things going on right now, but how does it not interfere with any other electrical activity? Plus, it's expensive because you got to pay a monthly fee. Whereas with this Save Less Life microchip, your phones and a Google number actually serve as a GPS. It's really pretty cool. Anyway, short of hearing from any of you, first of all, how to get a hold of us? A number of easy ways. 877-385-8882. There's three eights in there. 877-385-8882. That is a toll-free call us anytime. You can also just go onto Google Hangouts. Go onto our website, first of all, PetLifeRadio.com. You click on the Ask the Vets tab and you follow down. And in the box to communicate with us is like it's a Google Hangouts link. Click on the link and that will take you to us here live. So if you have that little camera on your on your computer or that little camera that you attach to your computer or your iPhone or your Droid, any of these things, you can actually join us live, show us pictures, talk. To, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago that was actually walking around our house on air with us with her iPhone. So very, very doable. It's a great way to communicate with us. And if you have something... Like there's a lesion. We're going to talk about skin today. And if there's a lesion that your pet has and you're kind of not sure what it is, you can just get out your phone, join us live here on Google Hangouts, and we will uh, take a look at it for you. And I'll throw my two cents in. Of course, I, I can't make a, an affinity diagnosis, but I can give you a lot of really good ideas and at least a, help you plan for how's the best way to get to the answer to your problem. And anything else. It doesn't have to be skin. It can be anything. It can be vomiting, diarrhea, behavior, limping, you name it. Any of the things that, that we typically see your pets for, now's the time to get some free advice, free guidance, and we can take it from there. So I wanted to talk about skin. The reason why this time of year is really a good time to talk about skin. And we've done, I know I've covered a lot of uh, skin allergy issues in the past. If you haven't joined us, uh, this will be new for you. For those, this is your second of, they say, the experts say, you need to hear something like six or seven times before it sinks in. So for many of you, this will be number two. For others, will be number one. But there's something important about this time of year. And that is that we are leaving that period of year that we call seasonal allergy period. 
And that usually ends around now, September, October. And the reason that's important is the following, is that when it comes to our pet's allergies, when it comes to a dog, we have an idea based on the location of the lesions and their behavior, and of course, the time of year, whether or not this is something that is a permanent fixture around your house or a food allergy versus the much more common atopic dermatitis. Atopy is the dermatitis from inhaled allergens. Those allergens could be grasses, weeds, trees, molds, things that they actually inhale. And some of these things are somewhat, obviously the grasses, weeds, and trees are pretty seasonal. So they are, depending on where the location of the body is, gives us a clue. It's obviously it's not definitive. And there's a lot of overlap. And for example, let's look at ears or chewing on the feet. Well, chewing on the feet could be because of food allergy. It could be because of actually touching something on the grass. It could be because of inhaled allergens. Ears, likewise, is a very strong overlap with ear, persistent ear infections, ear allergies between food and pollens. So oftentimes, someone will come into the office and you want to get to the bottom of this. I mean, even though we have great, great solutions now for allergy, we have the new Apoquil, which is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal drug. We have the immunotherapy also by Zoetis that blocks the interleukin, the IL-31. So we have solutions, but anything we do is really a band-aid. The reality is what we want to do when we're treating chronic conditions is try to get to the source of the problem and treat it at the source not just treating the symptoms. I mean, given that hyperthyroid cat, yeah, you can use a medication, methimazole, thalimazole, and that will help the symptoms, but you're not doing anything to actually treat the hyperthyroidism. Ah, but radioactive iodine treatment or even surgery, there you're getting to the root of the problem. So it's always better to do that when you can. And one of the ways we treat allergy is most of us, most of the time, are just putting on the Band-Aid. What we're doing is we're treating the symptoms when they arise, we're not getting to the source of the problem. So there are ways to do that, but they're a little expensive. I mean, just to do a, an allergy test by a dermatologist, where they do the, the good old-fashioned, very, very sensitive, very specific scratch testing, you're looking at several, several hundred of dollars. If you do the blood test, a lot of laboratories are doing a blood test through testing for IgE antibody. Those are also expensive. You might be looking at $350 to $500, depending on what you're testing for. So it's not so easy for everybody just to do it, so they resort to the symptomatic relief. But we have been always limited, and the number one or two symptomatic relievers are going to be your corticosteroids, maybe your immunosuppressants like the cyclosporin. And the reason for that is histamine is not a major player of the pet allergic response. So with us, what do we do? We take an antihistamine, but it doesn't work for dogs. But I shouldn't say that exactly. A very small amount might help. And usually when we do recommend any histamine, it's not because of the antihistaminic property. It's because of the sedative effect. And that is, it just kind of chills them a little bit. It calms them down, but it's not going to treat the allergy. And even the Apoquil, that's going to block the quote unquote, the histamine-like cellular mediator of the canine allergic response. And that is called the interleukin-31, but it's not blocking the response. It's just taking care of the interleukin-31. It's the equivalent of the antihistamine. So we want to try to get answers. And this time of year is a great time of year to start waiting to get those answers. Why? Because once we get into winter, once we hit that no October, November, if the symptoms subside dramatically, then guess what? You already have it. Half your problems ruled out. You're looking at seasonal allergy because your flooring, your everything that you have in the house doesn't change come November. 
So all the things, the household allergens, whether it's mites, dust mites, whether it's kapok or wool or cotton or feathers or human epithelia. That's right. Some of your pets are allergic to you. Tobacco. So all those things are the same during the winter. So therefore, if there's no change in allergy from spring and summer through fall and winter, then you have to start looking at some of the things that are around all the time, including food. And that's one of the toughest. And it's one of the toughest to diagnose. And most people give up because it's so tough to diagnose. And therefore, it's such a great clue. So I tell people that before we start doing a food elimination trial, which we'll get to in the next half of the show, why don't we wait? We're so close to our time of year that we might get an answer that it's not food right away. And that is, oh my God, they get dramatically better once fall and winter hits. And just so you know, as a, even though foods really take a hit when it comes to allergies, but according to the experts, depending on who you talk to, but somewhere between 15 to 20% of canine allergy is food related. That means, let's look at the other side. That means that 80 to 85% is not food allergy. So everybody goes out there and they're saying, oh my God, you know, I think my dog's allergic and he's, you know, he's maybe he has some to the symptoms. Maybe he is chewing at his feet. Maybe his ears are inflamed and irritated and he is scratching at them. Those are symptoms of food allergy. But if it goes away during the winter, guess what? It's not food. And also just to know that it is one of the more difficult things, as I mentioned, and we're going to talk about it after the break, about how to really rule out food. And another thing that that always I, I just chuckle when I hear about it, where we can be talking about a food allergy and only because, only because A, the symptoms are there, but more importantly, because, well, my breeder told me that, that that's what it is. And oh my God, does that irk me to have these breeders. They're just as bad as Dr. Google. They think they know everything. I think that they think that if you become a legitimate breeder or you've been around dogs, I grew up with dogs my whole life. So therefore I know as much as my veterinarian. I think I, I mentioned this last week that uh, someone showed me a picture of a coffee mug. I'm really looking for this mug. It's fantastic. It says, don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree. And trust me, <laughs> that, that's how I feel a lot of the time. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the food issues and allergies, season allergies, and what is out there that can help our pets and why, when we have a chronic problem, does it still appear to stay chronic? So don't go away. I'm sure you're dying to hear about this because I'm knowing what I see on my caseload on a regular basis, there is a very, very, very high percentage of skin-related problems. So um, if you're listening out there and you have dogs and cats, I know that for many of you, you also have skin-related problems with your pets that you're dealing with year after year after year. So don't go away. We'll be right back after these short words from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com 
This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, again, we'd love to hear from you. Easy to get a hold of me. Area code 877, toll-free, 385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also join us live here on Google Hangouts by going to PetLifeRadio.com, clicking on Shows, scrolling down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and open that up, and you will see a, a link in the window down there where you can join us. It says Join Us, and you can actually live join us. And we're talking allergies, we're talking skin, we're talking pets. It's interesting how when it comes to our pets' allergies, skin is the major issue. Even with food allergies, you would think if you're allergic to food, the problem's going to be gastrointestinal. But no, 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 it's usually skin. And even though food allergies, as I mentioned before the break, are really overrated, only about, oh, 15 to 20% of pet allergies are linked to food. And when you think about the trouble it takes... To diagnose food allergy, you really want to make sure that it's it's high on your list before you resort to the uh, the testing. And just to give you an idea how tough it is, we'll talk about it for a second. So we have to do what's called an elimination diet. And the good old-fashioned way, and, the, and the really the best way, is to feed your dog religiously, strictly, and nothing else for minimum six weeks, preferably eight weeks, of a non-allergenic food, something that is either fragments of the proteins, something that is a hydrolyzed protein. And during the trial, they can eat nothing else. That's really hard, everybody. It, I, I know it is. And uh, fortunately, it's not so common that you really want to jump to do it. Next up, we have the possibility of doing a novel protein diet or a single protein diet. That is a protein that probably your pet has never seen before. It might be venison or bison or rabbit, you know, weird things. What's not chicken, beef, or turkey, or duck, something that it's out there. They actually, I heard, well, we used to have a popular one called KO, kangaroo and oats, but I heard that the groups out there or somewhere, I mean, in Australia, kangaroos are a nuisance and they were only too happy to take care of the problem and let animals eat the kangaroo meat. But I think that uh, that is not available anymore. So 
It's a matter of trying to get your pets onto something they never had before, strictly only that. And then what happens is that if, in fact, it's food allergy, by the end of the six or eight weeks, they should be much improved. Then you know, ah, now I know that it is food allergy. That's all it does. It just tells you it's food allergy. If you did the hydrolyzed protein or the non-protein or the, the non, it's a fragmented protein diet, then you have to now start testing food groups one at a time. And you want to start making some home-cooked whatever it is that you're going to try, that something you'd never had before. Or in the case of the novel protein diet, if they're doing much better on the novel protein, stick with it. Stick with it. But it really is difficult. Why? Because inevitably, that dog is going to pick something up somewhere that he probably is allergic to during the six or eight week trial, and he's going to flare up. And you're going to see, see, it's not that because I'm feeding him a no protein diet or no allergenic diet, non-allergenic diet, and he's still scratching. Well, yeah, he's scratching not because the diet was a problem. He's scratching because he got a hold of something he wasn't supposed to because you weren't watching. So, or he got into the garbage or the kids gave him something. So it really is a challenge. If you can do the novel protein, that might be a little easier because if you find something that's good and it's working, you could just keep him on that, at least until he becomes allergic to that too, which is very possible. But the key is this, because it's so difficult, when people come and they want to do uh, food trials and they want to do it during the summer, and the history is iffy whether or not the problem does get a lot worse during spring and summer, I say, whoa, 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 time out. Why don't you wait? You only got a few months left. Put up with it. We'll treat symptomatically. Let's wait and see what happens come October, November. Because if we get much better, then we know that food is not the only problem. It may not be, it may be only a very small part of the problem. And we, when we do not improve, meaning it is something that they're exposed to all the time, I also like to go through things in the house and see because another problem with the allergy testing is that allergy testing does not do well when it comes to food. Even the scratch testing, it's really not as accurate. The best way to test for food is through the elimination trial, which, as I mentioned, is very difficult. So you can do allergy testing. That will test for other household allergens. And then you could start desensitizing to those allergens. And if, again, if we get much better, then that's a great sign. I wouldn't rush into the food trials only because, as I said, it is very, very challenging. Most people fail. Notice I said most people fail. The dog didn't fail. Your pet didn't fail. Even if it was on the right track and it was doing well, it's the person, the household, that usually fails in allowing the dog to get a hold of something they weren't supposed to, something that chances are they are sensitive to, and that's where the failure takes place because then you're blaming it on the fact that the dog has problems even though he was on this very special, supposedly non-allergenic food or novel protein food. So it gets pretty confusing. Other things that are complicators when it comes to allergies, and this is regardless of the allergy, is infection, skin infection. And all too often, I hear people that they tell me that this medicine didn't work, that medicine didn't work, and I look at the dog, and the dog has a large amount of secondary infection through pustules, through cholerates, bronchiolosis, which is a deep infection. And the problem is that in of itself is itchy. So if you treat the allergic disease without treating this infection secondarily, then they're going to continue to scratch. And you're going to think, oh, well, this stuff's not working. It must be something else. No, it is working. But you got to take care of the infection. Another big complicator that sort of laughs at the drugs that we throw at them, fleas. I can't tell you how many times I've taken a look at a dog who's on great medication, and I'm being told, Doc, still scratching nonstop. I said, that's weird. I mean, this stuff is so good. It should be working. And I look at the dog, and the dog is crawling with fleas. So we need to make sure that secondary flea infection, secondary bacterial infection are all being controlled while you're trying to treat the allergic skin disease. And um, I think that that is going to be your ticket to at least 
some comfort when it comes to your pet's allergies. And as I said, rarely do they go home with just one thing. Another problem, a lot of times with allergies, the skin gets dried out. They may need some extra omega-3s. So you should be making sure that your pets have some extra omega-3s. Uh, there are capsules, there are, there are oils that you can squirt on the food, there are fish oils you can get. I mean, I, ideally, I prefer the veterinary products. I think they're better well-balanced for the dog. But in a pinch, you can use something you know over the counter if you have to. But it's important to provide a source of omega-3s. Interestingly, let's go back to food for one second on omega-3s. A lot of omega-3s come from salmon oil. And I asked the allergist once, if a dog is allergic to salmon, which some do test positive allergies to salmon, will salmon oil also cause allergies? And the answer was basically, she wouldn't take a chance. Uh, if we already have a confirmed salmon allergy, it is very, very possible that the salmon oil may also contain some of the fragments, the protein that usually is the cause of the allergies. And therefore, it was recommended to stay away from salmon oil. So you're going to have to look for different sources of oils, maybe cod liver, some things other than salmon oil in your omega-3, omega-6 fatty acid supplements. So that too is something to, to keep an eye out for. And otherwise, it's important to also know that when you have these dogs that are scratching, scratching often breeds more scratching. So this is where if you can give them something that kind of chills them out a little bit, something calming, something natural might help. This is where I say this, this is where the antihistamine might come in. Give a little Benadryl, just chill them out a little bit and see if that works. But the medications out there on the market are very, very effective. I am not a huge fan of the cyclosporin, which is a broad spectrum. I know that a lot of the allergists like it. I just think it's doing its job for the skin, but it's also doing other jobs as well. Kind of like steroids. I mean, steroids are great, but they have to be used judiciously. They have to be respected. You have to know how to read the signs. And that's why also when it comes to steroids, as I'm sure any of you that have had your pets on steroids know that the goal, especially with a dog, is to get them on an alternate day schedule. We don't like to give steroids every day in dogs. Cats, on the other hand, cats are, are, seem to be almost immune to the side effects of steroids. They do much better. And one thing about cats, you know, we just to, to not leave them out, unfortunately, cats with allergies don't give us as much of a clue as to the source of the allergen when it comes to the body, when it comes to the locations where the lesions might be. Cats get something called miliary dermatitis, and it look, could look the same regardless of the source of the allergy. So you don't get a clue. With the dog, you get that map. Oh, lower rump, the back of the butt, the base of the tail. You're thinking fleas. In the groin, inside the thighs, you're thinking pollens, inhaled allergens. The ears can be inhaled allergens. It also could be food. Rubbing the face, like rubbing it against the wall on the carpet, you think, and also maybe food. Uh, chewing at the feet, that could be um, atopy, but also food. So based on, you have an idea. When, you, when I see a dog that's missing a lot of its hair on the rump, I'm looking for a flea and I'm going to find it. People think I'm nuts and I'll sit there and I'll look and I'll look and I'll look and guess what? I'll find it. So we know that that is an area that typically is involved when it comes to flea allergy dermatitis. So anyway, as I started, now's a good time. If you're thinking of doing a food trial over the next several weeks to see if your pet gets dramatically better, if he or she does, then when we're sort of getting out of flea season in most places, getting out of the allergy pollen season in most places. And if the dog gets tremendously better, then I don't think you need to do the food trial, at least right now, not now. Anyway, uh, if you have any questions about this, there's so much when it comes to skin, and it's probably one of the more common reasons that most veterinarians see their patients' skin-related problems. So 
Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to get a hold of me at drjeffdrjeff at petliferadio.com. If you want to join us next week here live, please don't hesitate to give us a call, 877-385-8882. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, More Than a Cone, which is Kong Veterinary Products, the Brevecto by Merck, Save This Life Microchip, and of course, ProSense Pet Products. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.